This is Cheryl Stabler. Welcome to season three of the Unshakable Woman podcast. We publish this podcast each Monday at 5.30 a.m. from Los Angeles and 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our mission is to profile women who have conquered tremendous tests in life, encourage women to reach for the stars, and to remind our listeners that we are part of one big family called Sisterhood. The women on this podcast share their stories and encourage women on their purpose-filled journeys. Join us this year on our Sisterhood Coffee Chat platforms, a collaboration with Uncommon Gospel Magazine. Now on Instagram Live with replays on Facebook. On Sundays, join us at 2 p.m. for the Sunday Brunch Edition with three wonderful co-hosts. And Monday through Friday, continuing the faith discussion at 3 p.m. daily with Uncommon Gospel. Connect with us every day for 30 minutes. Subscribe to the podcast and share the link. We would love to chat with you on our socials at Unshakable Woman on both Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for connecting to our sisterhood. Share the podcast with your thoughts and don't forget, hashtag tell your story. Please stand by for our Unshakable Woman guest. Good morning and welcome back to the Unshakable Woman podcast. This morning we have a guest from Belize. We are continuing to interview women from all over the world as we start season three. And I'm so excited about today's guest because she is walking on a path that I actually have always dreamed of doing. And before the pandemic, I was studying to actually leave the country and do what this amazing woman is giving back to the world. Welcome to the show, Gretchen. Thank you, Cheryl. Greetings from (laughs) sunny Belize. Oh, oh, first, first of all, how is the weather and how are you guys doing with all the storms coming across the East Coast? Are you guys good down there? We're we're perfect. We don't have any weather. It's 90 degrees. It's warm. I'm going swimming later. Oh, my goodness. I may pack my bags. I'm so excited. When you shared your story about what it is that you are doing in Belize and the path that you are that you are traveling I was so very excited because that is something I've wanted to do as a little girl. My life isn't over, so it's still it's still on my checklist to get done. But share a little bit about your story and what brought you to the work of missionary field. Okay, well, um, I did not grow up Christian. I grew up atheist. Mm-hmm. And in my 20s, I began to study all religions, not just um, Christianity. After a few years, I gave my life to Christ. But during that time, um, prior to giving my life to Christ, I met with my pastor one-on-one multiple times a week. And he basically trained me up to be a missionary before I was a Christian. Wow. (laughs) He saw that um, in me based on what I had told him from my dreams and my hopes and my goals. So he trained me and prepared me for that, even though I did not even believe in Jesus. (laughs) So wow. once I gave my life to Christ, then he anointed me with oil immediately. The moment I walked up to the altar, he anointed me with oil and appointed me as a missionary to nations. 
And um, uh, six weeks later, I landed in Africa. Wow. So Africa is where you started. Tell us a little bit about the journey. I worked in Kenya and Tanzania. I worked mostly with orphan children and refugee children from Rwanda who had walked all the way to Kenya. It was a very difficult trip for me because I come from a place of action and I was teamed up with a lot of senior missionaries and fancy church people. I was put on a team with them and mm. I just didn't get the way they were doing it. It made no sense to me. Nothing that they were doing resonated with me as something that people would listen to and people just kind of yesed them to death and then went back to their same old ways. And I just knew it was not the way I wanted to do missions. Mm-hmm. So when, when, the Lord set that on your heart. What, what was your next point of direction? Did you stay in Africa and do something different or did you go somewhere else? I completed my short-term mission there. I came home. I applied for permanent service with the International Mission Board. But um, when I had to write like essays and things about how I saw missions going and what my vision was of what God had showed me. And it definitely did not line up with what they were doing. I was a female. I was strategy oriented. I wanted to use innovative technologies outside of the church walls and innovative things like art outreach. And Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be out of the church walls and they just Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with that because at that job, at that time, they basically had two jobs. You could be a church planter, Mm -hmm. which you physically built a church and did Bible study in the church building, mm-hmm. or you could be a, um, like a writer that did journalism, but I had no degree in journalism. Mm-hmm. And also I was just far too wild for them. So I, I come from a Southern <laughs> Baptist background. Those poor Southern Baptist men did not know what to do with a female strategist <laughs> who was about to bust through every wall that they put up. So they turned me down. <laughs> quite logically. <laughs> um, and so I continued on my own and I, um, I, I, I formed partnerships with churches and organizations and I started something called the Christian Arts Center and I started ministering through the arts and it was quite effective. And I got to go on short-term trips all over the world. I raised my own support and my own money and I continued my mentorship with the leaders at my church And they were super smart. They knew me well, right? So my church leaders stepped up and they did one-on-one mentorship with me. And they had me study, 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 study. I would say I went through 18 months of preliminary training and approximately three years worth of training, but I kind of crammed it into another six months. So for example, a female mentor sat me down and said, Gretchen, The men are not going to know what to do with you. The mission agencies are not going to know what to do with you. You're going to have to do this on your own. You're going to be bivocational. So you're going to work and support your own projects. And then you're going to form partnerships and alliances with wealthy people who can support your work. And they taught me how to do that. That is, that's a strategy all within itself that, you know, you said something that resonated with my heart, um, outside of the four walls. And that is something I have really just resonated with over the last 10 years. So in, in moving forward, what is, how is your path daily 
in Belize? What What is the daily walk for you? All right. So my daily walk is up at four in the morning for prayer. Start my day with prayer and Bible study. Then immediately respond to all Facebook messages and emails that have come in overnight because I currently minister to people all over the world. So I wake up to an inbox full of messages. I have a rule. Every message is answered every single day before I go to bed by me personally. And I have 20,000 people in my network and I do not fail to answer. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, um, that could be a prayer request in an inbox. It could be a request for partnership. It could be somebody that is suicidal. It could be somebody that's in a life-threatening situation. It could be somebody who has no food. And what I do is I refer, I refer them to resources on the ground. So I literally last week took a woman from Africa who inboxed me and referred her to a church on the ground to get her food for her children and her and get her into discipleship. And now she continues online discipleship with me daily, but she does discipleship with that church and gets more access to resources on the ground from them. Yeah, what a beautiful story. You know, I, I, I'm sitting in awe of you right now um, just because, you know, sometimes we sit back and we say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And, and when, when life changes, I'm going to get this done. And yesterday, my word was move, just move. Mm -hmm. And you are the epitome of just move. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you how this um, developed because mm -hmm. nobody Nobody believed in me. Nobody would give me money. Nobody would like appoint me as a missionary for them because I was far too risky. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they just thought I was absolutely nuts and crazy. So I would say around 1997, 98, there was a significant event in my life. Um, that was about the time I was becoming a Christian. And I took care of my great grandmother for two years. So I was studying and reading and I wanted to reach people, but I was helping with her care. So I couldn't leave the house to go out. Mm. So I used internet chat rooms to reach people. Mm. So that, that started way back in 1997 <laughs> and, wow. and that was way back in the day. And then of course, MySpace and Facebook and things like that came along and I just continued in the process. So for example, recently when I decided to move to Belize, the first thing I did was go online on my Facebook page and add every bad guy I could find in Belize. If he showed a gang sign, if he showed gang colors, if he had guns in his profile, if if he had slutty women all over his page, I added every one of them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then I strategically started intervention with them through Facebook online so that when it came time for me to meet them on the ground, I already had a relationship with them because I'd already been ministering to them online. And online ministry is really simple. You post very simple things, a few scriptures a day, and you post some funny things and some entertaining things. And then you post some meat for your followers that are really serious, you know, something about revelation or whatever. So you make three or four posts a day to different audience groups. Mm -hmm. And, and then you about once a week or so you post a simple question. How can I pray for you today? Inbox me. Wow. That's it. That's how Facebook ministry works and your inbox blows up <laughs> and then you start ministering to people through the inbox and 
So there's none of this nonsense about dragging some speaker out onto the streets and a pulpit and setting up and doing some event and bringing 50 people from church to do some outreach. No, 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 no. We don't do that. We do one-on-one -on -one interventions in the inbox. And then that is, so, so my day starts from four to six in the morning, responding to all those messages. And then from about seven until about, I would say 11 every day, I, I have my meetings. So that would be partnership development. That would be interviews with people like you. That would be training sessions where I'm mentoring someone online, mm -hmm. something like that. It's not every day because sometimes it, I mix it up, but that's pretty much my day. And then I pop out to one of my projects because I have on the ground ministry projects too. I do not run any of them myself. All of my projects are what we call para-ministry. So that means I identify key projects, whether Christian or secular, that are meeting my target demographic. My target demographic being men over age 30. Now, why is a Southern Baptist woman targeting <laughs> men over age 30? Let me tell you why. In my country, there are 45 single women to every one single man in church. Wow. So the best way to help the women and children is to, to raise up godly men that are capable of being good leaders of their home and ready and willing to marry them. I love that. I love that. So um, so I pop over to one of my projects. Uh, the three main projects I work with do um, gang exit strategy for men who are trying to change their lives. So these are men that have vowed to leave the gang. They've done a little bit of spiritual work. They're, wor they're working on starting their businesses. They do some community outreach. They have some tutoring, some, some community gardens, and a business on empty lots in the worst, most violent areas of town. But I don't run those projects. They run those projects. And I do what? I train them and help them every time they get stuck. So for example, I had helped them write a grant they did not, I did not do it alone. I made them do the work of writing the grant. Mm -hmm. And these are gang members with a sixth grade education. And they wow. literally wrote the grant with me. We submitted it. We got preliminary approval for $15,000 or something for community garden expansion. But the key was we had a problem because the city council had reclaimed these abandoned um, lots and we didn't have title yet to the lots. And the granting agency didn't want to invest money on a lot that wasn't titled to the organization. So what I did was say, okay, um, we'll just call him John. John, let's say John is the leader. John, how do we solve this? What do you think we should do? He said, well, we need to contact city council or the mayor. Well, I keep a very good phone list of who's who and what's what in my phone. So I, I said, all right, you're gonna contact him. Here's the phone number. And then we did like a practice discussion. So he practiced, like I pretended to be mayor and he practiced and then he made the phone call and solved the issue. Beautiful. You are doing amazing church outside of four walls, like for real. <laughs> so over 3,500 people have given their life to Christ through the ministries that I, I do primarily online. And most of them have been connected to a church for baptism and additional further follow up, but they still continue to be discipled by me online daily. 
Okay. So in, in your, your journey, you, you had some obstacles initially in, and working with people who were too structured or working with men who just didn't understand you. What is the one major obstacle that you have had on mm. this journey? Multiplying me. <laughs> I need like 50 of me. If I had 50 of me, my God, we could change the entire country in like six months, uh, right? Well, you but know, I have we people with my skill set, and mm -hmm. I do not find that they're committed. And remember, it took me 25 years of, of experience to get to the level that I'm at. So even if, for example, they had all of the skills, like mm -hmm. they could type 80 words a minute, they knew Word mm -hmm. and Excel, they knew how to write. 50 page proposals in one morning, uh, even if they could do that. And even if they could handle the zoom meetings and the zoom trainings, and even if they were trained in proper evangelistic outreach or inbox interventions, they still wouldn't have the experience that I bring to the table. So mm -hmm. I think that um, my attempts to train them have been um, poor. I'm trying to correct that matter. So I'm trying to put some online training together um, to to build them up and I've broken it down into manageable chunks. And um, it's a struggle for me like this. I have this lovely lady. She just would love to serve more, but she doesn't type. She doesn't do computers. I had to spend an hour this morning with her just teaching her basic navigation of Facebook. She doesn't even know how to do that, mm. but she's willing. So I spent the hour, but what we need to do is get them um, in training programs so that I can at least multiply them in a specific area. So they may not be able to do what I do, but maybe they can be in charge of prayer or maybe they can be in charge of food distribution or maybe they could be in charge of um, proposal writing or whatever they are able to do because I just don't see that there's going to be another me. I would I've been looking for the male me for 25 years to turn this ministry over to him and let him run it. And I stay home and be a mother and cook and clean and stuff. But, um, I, it hasn't happened. I'm still single. <laughs> oh, well, you know, um, sometimes we do our best work for God when we're single and, you know, I'm experiencing that myself right now, you know, um, for women who want to, walk into missionary work and be grounds on like you are hands on on the ground. What advice would you give to a woman who is possibly listening today? It will shock she, you. It will yeah. shock you the advice I will give. I want mm. them to, I want them to take classes in business mm -hmm. and I want them to figure out how they're going to work 15 hours a week and have the rest of the time for ministry. I want them to figure out what business they're going to do on the ground. I want them to write their own articles of association, articles of incorporation, get it registered, get legal, get through financial compliance, get through money laundering compliance, register their business. And then I want them to register their nonprofit. So they need nonprofit management courses. Mm -hmm. They need to know how to manage um, you know, the accounting, they need to know how to do the taxes. They need to, to know the administrative functions. That is where every missionary on the field fails. Mm, the, church trains them, the church trains them to share the gospel right. and teach Bible class. And that is not how you grow a ministry. Mm, you have to be tough. able to expand your 
ministry and you have to understand how to get spiritual authority on the ground. So you cannot get spiritual authority on the ground if you are not in relationship with people. So my strategy was first to get spiritual authority amongst the gang members and the bad guys, right? Mm, right. Because if I don't have authority to speak into their lives, then they can cause a lot of problems for me. They could mm. even kill me. Right. If they if I said the wrong thing or the wrong way. So when I walk into a neighborhood, I don't start evangelizing. I don't start distributing Bibles. I don't do anything. I do one thing. I go track down the local gang leader. I tell him who I am. I let him look me up on Facebook to see that I'm legit. I ask his permission to operate in his neighborhood and for him to provide me with an escort for protection. I love that. So um, I, I think that um, we just do missions all wrong. What I see churches doing is they get a big group of people together and they go into a neighborhood and they go door to door and they say, hi, I'm here to tell you about Jesus today. They don't ask anything about the person. They don't find out what's going on in their life. They don't listen to the struggles that they're facing. They don't care. They just don't care. They're just there to share the gospel in five minutes and then leave. And that is not how the gospel spread in the in the, in the Bible, the boss, Jesus taught on hillsides, he taught on streets, he taught on the seashore, and he reasoned in the temple, and they met daily in the homes. Right. Daily. So I can't physically meet daily in the home with 20,000 people, but can, I can definitely meet with them online daily. Well, you have blessed my soul, and I am certain you have blessed so many people listening to this podcast. Um, I, I'm sitting here grateful that we are strong right now in eight countries, and I pray that they are all tuning in to hear your voice today. Gretchen, we're so very blessed for you, and I'm so excited for you and your journey. And that husband is coming, and that man is coming, too. <laughs> Take Thank over you. this for you so you can be the woman at home. <laughs> I, I really that. appreciate you interviewing me, Cheryl. Um, what I do is called disruptive strategies. That is mm -hmm. the technical term for what I'm doing. It is taking an existing product or service. The product right. would be the gospel. The service would be pastoral care. And now we're going to do it in a new way and make it more accessible to people that don't have access to it. So a gang member cannot go to church because he might get killed. He, he might have to cross three gang territories to get there. He might create violence for the people in the church. So we don't need to have him in church. There's no need for him to come to church. We can reach him right online. And the same with his family and friends that don't want to go to church. There's a lot of people that have a lot of anger towards the church. Mm. So we're going to take again, we're going to take an existing product or service. The product is the gospel. The service is pastoral care, and we're going to do it in a new way that makes it accessible for people that don't normally have access. And that's what a disruptive strategy is. I love that. Well, thank you so very much. For those who are tuning in, how can people find you online? Okay, what I'd like them to do is contact me on Facebook. It's Gretchen Smith. If you just search Gretchen Smith Belize, then you'll find um, my profile will come up. And then I want them to add me on Facebook. I want them to shoot me an inbox message, say, hey, I heard um, your interview on the podcast and I'd love to learn more. And then from there, I'm going to connect them to like a thousand different resources for them to get training, support, encouragement, or be part of my team. 
I love that. Thank you so very much. You have honored and blessed us today. For everyone listening today, please follow Gretchen Smith on Facebook at Gretchen Smith Belize and connect to her. Ask her all the questions or just follow the journey and share the journey with other people that you know. She is uh, blessed. You blessed the pants off of me today. <laughs> I've had her- I, I have had church this morning. Thank you so very much. Gretchen, please stand by. And for all the ladies who have tuned in this morning, we are so grateful that you tuned into the Unshakable Woman podcast and enjoying our series of women from around the world this month as we begin season three. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. Share this podcast as well with everyone that you know. Um, we will also have ways of contacting Gretchen on our social media platforms if you did not have the opportunity to write this information down. Remember until next week to continue to love, forgive, and walk unshakable. We love you. Thank you so much, very much for tuning in. Stand by for our theme song more and more. And thank you again to Gretchen Smith for being with us this morning. Thank you, Cheryl. Have a blessed day and definitely connect to me. Gretchen Smith on Facebook. Thank you. Yeah, we got you. We will connect and we are so grateful for you. Thank you so very much. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning into our show today. We are so excited that you are back with us for season three. And hello to all of our new listeners who are joining us this year. There are so many podcasts to choose from, and we are so very grateful that you have turned in to support our wonderful sisterhood of Unshakable Woman. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Unshakable Woman. If you would like to share your story with us, send an email to Cheryl at CherylStabler.com or DM our team on the Unshakable Woman account. Don't forget to register for the second annual Unshakable Conference, sailing September 2022. For info, visit our socials or call 310-970-2060 to place a deposit on your cabin today. A special thank you to our in-kind sponsors, Classic Public Relations, a Los Angeles public relations firm helping businesses to build their brands. Our travel sponsor, Love on Tour, providing unique experiences for brands throughout the world. Music titled More and More will close our show today, written by Paul D. Hanna. Build your sisterhood tribe and live an unshakable life. Another special thank you to our unshakable woman who shared her story today. We're so very grateful for you. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. We'll see you next week.
to you to show my gratitude what can i do to show you i love you take my life i'm yours i just want to give you
Well, good morning and welcome back to The Unshakable Woman. It is season three and we have some fabulous women joining us, sharing their stories this season. Um, the lady who is with us this morning, I met her while I was out with a sis um, in Hollywood attending a birthday party for Dave Brown. And uh, you just never know who you're going to meet while you're out and just always be open uh, to meet new women, especially if you're a woman, because sisterhood is so incredible. Uh, but this lady, I've been watching so much of her journey online, and I think she is just unshakable in her own right. Welcome to our show, Diana Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here to chat with you. So exciting. You know, when I first met you, uh, you were with, um, I believe, your mom and uh, one of your sister friends. And um, you connected immediately with my girlfriend because you guys are both from Dallas. Um, always fun meeting people from different places because, um, you know, we all live and breathe differently. So you have left Dallas and you are in Los Angeles now. Is that correct? I am. It'll be almost two years um, in at the end of December. Wow. Well, welcome to our city of angels. Um, you know, I always say that um, I love looking on social media and seeing what everyone's doing, but it always doesn't share the story of where people get to where they're going. And this brand, we love people to share their stories of triumph. I see you as an unshakable woman, but tell us what makes Diana an unshakable woman and what story would you like to share with our listeners to encourage other women on their journey? Um, well, thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate it. And I, um, I really appreciate you just seeing my growth. Um, in my transition uh, in this season of my life, uh, I was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. I've never lived anywhere else. Um, but I've always been a writer. I've always been a writer. Um, I was adopted into a family of educators. Mm. And um, my adopted mother, she was already a retired school teacher when she got a nine month old baby. So uh, I was probably an angry little kid. Um, a lot of stuff I really don't remember. Um, but just in talking to family and friends that I grew up with, they've told me some amazing stories. They just kind of just like um, reconfirmed what was always in my spirit, um, just was always in my soul. Um, she taught me how to be a writer. She taught mm -hmm. me to channel the anger that I had as a child into writing a story, just writing it. Initially, it was writing my mother letters when I was mad. Mm. And mm. then um, she didn't want me to mail them, but I wanted to mail them. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to mail them. I wanted her to know. But, um, and then the writing of the letters turned into essays and, and stuff like that. So um, I became a storyteller. I just, mm -hmm. it's like I made up um, fictitious, fictional places and people in my life for 
um, safety, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, the love just grew. And then before you know it, I was connecting with people. It was something about Hollywood. We would sit and watch The Price is Right. Um, growing up, we would watch The Young and the Restless. Like, I remember the old Catherine Chandler face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I always said that I wanted to be a writer on the team. I can do that. And mm-hmm. she was just one of those cheering me on kind of people. Yeah, you can. You, you can do anything that you see them doing if you put your mind to it and you put in the work. Um, she was a Southern Baptist. Like I said, she was in her, she was retired. So I was raised a Southern Baptist, which meant, um, no pants, um, church and school, uh, all week (laughs) and Saturdays were choir rehearsal and, um, anything church related. That's, that's what we, that's what we did growing up. Mm And so, uh, just kind of ventured out and still had a relationship with my birth mother um, at her convenience, you know, when it was convenient for her, obviously. And um, God made my way through school, um, did some college. Um, I had my oldest daughter in high school, 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that my, my father taught me, and I, my father has always been a part of my life, even though he was young when I was born, he never, he never let up his responsibility to help take care of me. So mm-hmm. my father has always been a permanent figure, a permanent um, staple in my life. I, I, t- I, I tell people all the time, I've had the best father in the world. And so um had my daughter and one thing that he told me in the hospital, you know, when I had my daughter, wherever you go, she goes. And he, one thing that stuck with me is that I always wanted to be a better mother than what I had. So the only thing that was really important to me was being a good mother. Um mm-hmm. But with that, I was young. It came, you know, of course, failures and disappointments. But even through all that, I was just the best. I strive to be the best mother and provide for um, my child as best as I could, as best as I knew how. Right. Right. Um, Which meant protecting I was a I was more of a protective kind of mother because I always felt that nobody really protected me nobody really knew I think people people back then took for granted that people are always good people and so nobody really protected me like I protected my daughter and my kids I have three kids um 31 27 and 24 um, they are amazing people. Um, they're all educated, um, all college, all, all graduated from college, um, never been in any kind of trouble. Um, they don't have any kids. Um, they totally listen to me. Mm, and, I, and all I asked, all I asked of them with, when they were young and growing up was to get, get an education because back then that's what 
my adopted mother instilled in me was education. Back then, education was key. And so that's what I knew to teach them was to go to school and get good grades and go to college and get a degree because you're going to need that in this world. And they did that. They listened to me and they did that. So I'm so, so grateful for that. But my heart has always been, for some reason, in Hollywood. Hmm. We would sit and watch um, shows that were made in Hollywood and I would see the big Hollywood sign in the background of some of the shows like the chips and <laughs> and um, all that and I wanted to go there so um, our very first trip as a family was to where? Hollywood Wow! <laughs> and every trip that we've taken on a family vacation has been to Hollywood my kids have never been anywhere else except for Florida. We went to Florida one time. Um, but other than that, it's ho- Hollywood. So they know their way around here. They know they way they know their way around Hollywood because this is where we've always come. And I knew that once I was able to leave Texas, um, I was coming here. It was no other place on earth for me but here. And um, so life happens. Mm-hmm. Um, life was yes. a life was a struggle. I feel. <laughs> I, I feel. I wish I would have known. You know, you always say in hindsight, if I'd have known today, what I know back then. But that's but part like, of our I journey. To, <laughs> yeah, I had to figure it out. Right. I had to figure it out, and I had to figure it out as a single parent with three small children. Mm. And we moved a lot. Like we moved a whole whole lot. And um, their lives were disrupted a lot just from the moving, just just from the moving. Um, I always switched jobs. I, I, I felt like I was never meant to work for anyone. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, I wish I would have I wish I would have provided more stability because I've had some really fantastic employers. Mm-hmm. But as soon as an entertainment opportunity came about, I would take it, not thinking that you're not going to sell a movie this fast or you're not going to make millions of dollars this fast. Right. So, you know, that put us in, um, you know, some some situations to where we had to move around a lot. But I just thank God that all of that never never kept them from um, um, being, I guess, resentful towards me or um, angry that they they just thought they were living the life. <laughs> they did. They just thought they were living the life. It wasn't until they really got old enough to understand, well, wait a minute, we've moved a lot. But in the same token, we're still good kids. We still did good grades and we still listen to our mother. Right. I'm, I don't have any disrespectful kids. Um, my kids have never been disrespectful. To, even to this day, they they still scared of me. <laughs> oh, Beautiful. And I don't play. So, um, but I just I just really thank God for just grace. Mm. I thank God for favor. I thank God for just mercy. Because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And most of the times I took the easy way out, which was most most of the time the wrong way. 
So, yeah. Um, so what was your turning point? You, you had this amazing journey discovering yourself discovering yourself as a young mother you had this vision in your head that Hollywood big Hollywood sign and lights in your head what was the turning point for you to help you jump out of the plane if you will and take that risk and move to the Los Angeles market well, um, my turning point was way before I moved. I had mm. I had got married for convenience and stability, mm. Mm. and um, I married a wonderful guy. I mean, I, when I say wonderful, he was wonderful, um, one of the best people I've ever met in my life, and um, uh, he provided what I needed, which was stability for myself and for my kids, mm-hmm. and. But when I fed him my dream of what I wanted to do with my life, um, he was on board. He was on board. Well, so he said. And then after we got married, he wanted to do something different. I've never wavered on what I wanted to do or what I wanted to become. Hmm. So that put up a rebellion for me. So now I'm on a mission to get out of there because right. you're not going to you're not going to dissuade me from my my dream like I know that what I was I knew from a young age what I was supposed to be doing with my life Mm. I knew I was supposed to be a writer because of not only because of what she what she instilled in me but just moving through school um uh creating ideas I was always a creative person Mm-hmm. And like I said, from childhood trauma, I forgot a lot. And so when I talked to my uh, my friends from elementary school and middle school, they reminded me of how creative I was. Like, used to tell these amazing stories, used to write these amazing stories, blah, 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 blah. And that was a young, I was in elementary school. I was doing that. They oh reminded God. me of that. So um, after my husband, then my then husband, um, re- re- retracted the dream, the, the plan. Mm. Well, I was back on the mission on my own. And um, I took my first trip to Hollywood in 2006. I, I, I just want to thank you, Meta Boom. God rest her beautiful soul. Mm. Um, back then, they all had the what do you call it the cw it was not the cw then it was something else but it was thursday nights it was girlfriends having to have one-on-one all them oh yeah the cw channel those were all of our friends and church ministry together yes yes (laughs) so um after trying to reach out connect with like yvette lee bowser whoever had a show amara brock akil all of them i was able to connect with unetta boone and she became my mentor. She's seen my passion for just wanting to be a part of um, anything Hollywood. And then she let me send her some writing samples and she's seen my talent. And she just nurtured me into just um, getting familiar with um key players, I guess, if you will, in Hollywood and, and key events like 
um, the first, she sent me to my first NAACP Image Awards. Um, she connected me with other writers and other producers. And so that was back in 2008, nine, I believe. Yeah, 2008, nine, because I got married in 06. Yeah. And she, it just grew from there. So now I'm connected with this fantastic mentor who has um a plethora if you will of 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 shows that she's worked on and been a part of and developed i have this black lady mentoring me and believing in me so i have no choice but to go hard well now i'm going hard to fulfill this dream but i still got these three kids that i have to take care of and see after blah 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 so I made it work. I made it work. As hard as it was, I made that shit work. <laughs> I did. I made yeah. it work. So how? So when you say that, and there may be a lady or a woman listening to your story, and it's similar, you made it work. You know that that first question they may have is, how did she make it work? Was it? your resilience just to not give up was it someone holding your hand through the process and going back to just how you made it work what was it in you that helped you get through that part of your journey um it was more resilience I Mm -hmm. think um I was determined to have a better life. Mm. I was determined to have something better for my kids. I was determined to have something better for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was determined to be happy at some point in my life. I was not happy. Mm. I was not, I was miserable. I was miserable growing up. Um, it was just a, just the childhood trauma that I had to breathe through uh, I was just determined to just for better and I knew somewhere inside of me that it was something better waiting I just had to figure out how the hell to get to it (laughs) (laughs) but I kept detouring because even though I was raised in church I was not walking in 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 in, in grace. I wasn't walking in, in truth. I wasn't walking in the will of God. I was not nowhere near that. Mm-hmm. So everything that I probably touched, even though I had the talent, I had the skill, I had the know-how, I had the drive to make it happen. God was like, girl, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. Until you, until you, until you give your life to me Mm. and follow me you will continue Mm. to go around in circles Mm. you nothing that you touch is going to happen wow and he ain't lie (laughs) (laughs) he he did not lie (laughs) yeah he does not lie he did not lie because I was like what's the easier way (laughs) (laughs) but um I think my main turning point Cheryl through all of that through years of struggle through Mm -hmm. years of failures and letdowns and 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 just misery through years I I woke up one day and I was like 
I'm tired of my way. My way is not working. But he was allowing me to see certain fruits. Uh, he was a, it was, he was allowing me to see certain fruits that were in in sight but not in reach. I couldn't touch it, but I could see it. Hmm. So I had to change my life. I had to change my lifestyle. Um, I was I was I was associated with people that never meant me any good. Hmm. I was associated with people that I should have never been nowhere in their space or their they in mine mm. um i was associated with people and trying to bring people who did not even deserve to go mm. and so. therefore god said no mm. no i struggled been? for years when i say i struggled for years being disobedient i struggled for years and it was not until, um, let me see, I broke my leg in 2018. So I've, I've seen minimal success, bits and pieces throughout the years, just minimal, just enough to let me know that it's possible. Right. Not enough to just change my life or the better, but let me know it was possible because I was not walking I was I was not walking in the will of God. So it took me forever to figure that out. <laughs> took me forever to figure that out. So so many lessons, so many, so so much hurt, so much pain. But that was all on me. Because that's not what God would have had for me. I learned years later, like in and not too long ago. Mm-hmm. that the whole he will not put more on you than you can bear that's only if you're walking in the will of god <laughs> right that's not if you just doing whatever you want to do <laughs> i love it and that's, that's that's a good word right there well, that's not if you with me doing what you want to do man. whatever come your way when you're doing what you want to do that's on you <laughs> that's so. a good word right there so yeah. So what, what are you, where are you now in your journey and how are you, Diana Rochelle, personally doing? Um, I am great. Personally, Cheryl, I am great. I'm happy. Mm, I'm healthy. I have love. I have peace. I have joy. Mm. Um, and then when I, the only thing that I pray for now, because I, I always knew that this would be possible, but now that I'm here, the only thing that I pray for now is just spiritual wealth. Whatever comes with that, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I don't ask for anything. And I mean, he's given me so much already. And every day that I think that my life can't get any better, it does. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I broke my leg in 2018 before, right before I moved here mm-hmm. and um, I was about ready to settle down and give up the dream of moving to Hollywood because it was just I was just so miserable I, my health was bad I was suffering from high blood pressure my hair was coming out I was in a relationship with, in, with somebody that I never should have given the time of day to um, just one thing after another and then I had got a good contract with 
uh, a company in in Texas, and I was like, well, I guess I'm just not meant to move to you know Hollywood, and I'm gonna make it work here. Mm. Um, I've got an apartment over by the new Arlington Stadium in the little entertainment district, you know, um, somewhere nice. I've always lived somewhere nice, um, even though I'm probably gonna stay there long. I've always lived somewhere nice. and um i broke my leg i was i was literally walking to the laundry room and broke my leg wow just literally walking to the laundry room and broke my leg um the grass was wet but i think it was more of a, a spiritual thing than anything because i'm trying to make myself stay somewhere that god was telling me i didn't need to be Mm. And so in that, after I broke my leg, like two weeks after, in having to lay down, that's the first time in my life, Cheryl, that I could not do anything for myself. I broke my right leg, so I couldn't drive. And then my apartment had stairs and the bedroom was upstairs. So I was stuck upstairs until my daughter would get off work and come help me bathe, bring me something to eat. Like I was shut down. And in that silence, God said, go. Mm. now that's when he he talks to you when it gets quiet in that in in that moment god said go and i mean now so the next morning i got up i put on facebook everything must go but you got to come get it today i bought a one-way ticket two days later to hollywood and i didn't look back And when I bought the one-way ticket, I didn't know where I was going to stay. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew God told me to get out of there today. And here I am. Wow. I came here with a backpack, (laughs) you know, and my legs still in a boot, (laughs) a pair of Nike pants, and five t-shirts, and my 10 pair of underwear. That's what what I came here with. And (laughs) my laptop. (laughs) What a testimony. So for all of the ladies who are listening to your storage of courage and your storage of getting through and your and your story of giving it all to God, what what can you share now about your happy space to encourage another woman who may be listening to this story that says, oh, that sounds similar. I've gone through that. And I've gone through that. Yep, that sounds like me too. I wish I was in that space where she is. So can, can you just touch on where you are right now? You said you're happy. What kinds of things are you doing now in this gift that you've been wanting to walk in? Um, I'm producing movies. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a writer and a producer. Wow. Um, I I don't want for nothing. I don't need anything. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Um, if you look, if you come visit me right now, like it, it looks like I've been living here for years. I have not. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when I say I don't want or need for anything, mm-hmm. I don't. Um. I've I've done well for my I've done very well financially for myself since I've been here. The day I got off the plane, mm. I ran into Matthew Cherry. Wow. And he bought a custom doormat for me. And I uh painted his hair love uh cover on a doormat because he won an Oscar for that and he posted it. 
And then I started, my doormat company is doing very well. From day day one, it was doing really, really good. Um, my background is in accounting, but when I broke my leg and couldn't take that good job that I had the op- offer for in Texas, in my sleep, in my dream, the doormat company idea came to me. I couldn't paint a nothing. I've never been good in art. Nothing. Could draw a dog. <laughs> if you ask me to draw a person, it's gonna be stick people. <laughs> Look at God. <laughs> but looking at my custom doormats, you would think I've been an artist mm-hmm. all my life. That was nobody but God. Right. And as soon as I got off the plane here in LA, I went to Harold's Chicken because it was a new new spot on Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. I sat at the bar. I probably wasn't there 30 minutes before Matthew Cherry walked in. And I went over and talked to him and I asked him, could I make him a custom doormat? And he said, yes. Made it, delivered to his office where I met Jordan Peele. Not, not Jordan Peele, but he uh, then was sharing an office with Jordan Peele. Um, he posted the doormat and it took off from there. So I was able to pay for my hotel. Because mind you, I didn't have anywhere to stay when I came here. I didn't tell nobody I was moving here. I just left. I gave everything away and left. I called my kids when I got off the plane. The first four nights, I stayed in the airport because it was safe. Because I didn't know what I didn't know where, I, but I was good. I wasn't. I wasn't afraid. Nothing. And then I ended up staying in that little hotel that some of Pretty Woman was filmed in off Hollywood Boulevard for a couple of weeks. And then I found an apartment in Hancock Park. And the rest is history. Wow. Well, I'm I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your story of triumph because you're going to bless some ladies listening to this show. Um, You are going to bless. And and I've realized, um, and I hear it in your story as well, sometimes God allows us to go through things in order to be able to help someone else. And, um, and, I, and I pray that women will tune in and they will be blessed and helped and encouraged. I hope so. I, I hope so. Um, the, best, the, best, the best piece of advice that I can give anyone, just mm-hmm. having just been through everything that I have, mm-hmm. is just to be, be, be obedient in the beginning. You don't have to go through all that. Mm. Obedience is key. Obedience is key because when you're walking in the will of God, baby, when I say there is nobody that has your back like him, uh, nobody. Amen. Amen. Well, be obedient. <laughs> thank you so much Diana Rochelle how can our listeners find you on social media and follow your journey um, on Instagram I am Diana Rochelle you can just it, it says I am that chick um, and then my doormat company is Royalty Rugs uh, R-U-G-Z-Z on Instagram and then on Facebook is Diana Rochelle Okay, well, we are so very grateful to you for joining us today. Thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to bless the Unshakable Woman podcast. We are Thank so you very for grateful. Having me. Thank you.
So if you are stand by and as I thank our listeners who are tuned in, um, if this has blessed you, don't forget to share this podcast with other women who it may also bless as well. Don't keep the blessing for yourself. Um, we're so very grateful for you who have tuned in because you could have listened to any other podcast today and you're here with us. Remember to continue to love, forgive, and live unshakable. We love you dearly. We'll see you next week. Stand by for a word from our sponsor and from our theme song, More and More. As long as we continue giving more and more to God, he's going to give more and more to us. And Diana Rochelle has brought that actually to the table today. We we're so very grateful and we'll see you next week. Remember to live unshakable.